Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by my good friend, David Lambert, who has recently been named the head of European equity at RBC Global Asset Management. Uh, Dave, first of all, congratulations. Couldn't happen to a better guy and someone who is is absolutely incredibly, uh, you know, credit uh, has a great background, uh, incredible track record in terms of, of managing money. Uh, couldn't be happier for you. Uh, so congratulations. Thanks, Dave. Um, you know, these things are, are always bittersweet because the reason I'm sort of becoming head is because of the retirement of Dominic. And, you know, we've worked together for sort of 15 years so and we've worked very closely and get on very well. So these things sort of, uh, you know, two edged sword. But, uh, you know, I'm really pleased. I'm excited to be taking up the, the role. And, uh, you know, it's exciting times ahead. Yeah. And, and, and of course, Dominic has been a regular guest on, on the podcast. Uh, he, he is retiring. And uh, and we're gonna miss him because he's he's one of our uh, our favorite guests as well. Always had interesting stuff to talk about uh, in his uh, professorial manner, uh, as you see, very sophisticated uh, as, as as Dominic is. Uh, but you've been side by side with him for the last fifteen years. Uh, you've been doing this together, so I can't think of a more seamless transition. Uh, in uh, you know we we, we always. Oh, uh, when, when, and throughout our careers, we want to, and and throughout businesses, you 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 want to have the right succession plan in place. You want it to just be a seamless shift. Uh, and I can't think of a better example of that than this. Well, it, yeah, thanks, because it's something we've thought of long and hard over the years. And I think it's important, you know, going for, uh, through the team going forward from now. But you know, we we've tried to do this slowly. You know, this was always this day was always going to come. So. It's something we thought about, you know, it's really important. It's important in the businesses we invest in. So, you know, when we employ, employ this to companies that we invest in, we should be doing it ourselves. And we thought long and hard about the way this was going to work. Yeah. Now, as, as, we, as we get you on as a regular uh, guest, uh, we're going to get into what uh, you and I both love, which is eating. And uh, the, the, the only thing is, is I, I've, got, I've gotten older. I, I eat and get larger. You eat and get smaller. So it's because uh, you're, you're, you're looking, looking pretty sharp. It's, it's too bad this is just an audio podcast. This is one where I'd love <laughs> to have the video on you. But uh, we'll, we'll get into some of your great uh, eating recommendations. But, but I think what's uh, much more on people's minds right now is, is Europe and, and European equities, which, uh, which, again, you're now overseeing. And, and some of the challenges in the European market. We've, we've talked about uh, with, with Dominic, uh, with Sarah Riappel, who's been on the broadcast, who manages uh, portfolio solutions, and thinking about where she's going to overweight or underweight positions. And she tends to focus uh, more on value and, 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 and growth at a, at a reasonable price where, where there's growth. And when she was looking around just, just a couple of months ago at the world, and where valuations sit in markets, Europe looked very attractive, and particularly relative to the U.S. But of course, in the interim, we've had this horrific Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, which is just you know more, more uh, you know awful visuals more and more every day. Just a, just a, a human catastrophe. So let's not lose sight of that. But from an investment perspective, it certainly changed the view of Europe, at least in the short term, when we look out at the world, but from your perspective, has, has it made that big a difference or, or is, is this something that you're, you think markets are, are going to look through 
as as we get uh, more and more in, in into that invasion, or, or or even with the potential of a of a ceasefire somewhere down the road, we we hope. Yeah, I think ultimately the market will look over the valley and sort of you know put this into perspective. Um, but you know, immediately the sort of first reaction is the proximity of Europe to the events that are going on, you know, needs to up the risk premium to a degree. So by default, you know, what Sarah was sort of implying, you know, I completely agree with, you know, there is a heightened level of risk within Europe. But then when we step back from that and then we look what's happening on the corporate side, you know, when we look at sort of corporate earnings, corporate operational momentum, you know, everything remains pretty robust still. We have to remember that, you know, Although these companies are European domiciled, they're they're generally global in nature. They've got the ability to deploy capital all over the globe. So the although the the events are sort of on the doorstep as such, the the corporates are not impacted as much as as one would think when you read the sort of headlines. But you know, Dave, I mean, this is something we've experienced in European equities, you know, for many, many years, we've talked about debt crises, migrant crises, financial crises, particularly in Southern Europe. And, you know, when we come and we speak to Canadian investors or investors anywhere, we try to sort of disassociate, you know, European politics, European economies with European corporates. It's different. They are different beasts. Uh, and the European corporates themselves are, are actually generally in rude health. You know, debt levels are lower. You know, debt's been financed further out. There's more duration in the debt book that is there. Free cash flow yields are, are really still attractive. So from an operational perspective, you know, we feel relatively relaxed. Now, notwithstanding that, the longevity of what's going on, you know, ultimately can start to impact, as we've already seen, inflation, commodity prices, supply chains. And these uh, these are what all corporates around the world have to sort of juggle with. Um, but um, we haven't seen any large lasting impacts so far. Um, and just going back to sort of the first point you made in terms of Europe looking value versus the US uh, on a multi-year basis. Yeah, I agree with that. But then, you know, the counter argument to that is it has for a long time. Right. So when does <laughs> yeah. that change? Uh, so there, there are differences between Europe and the US in particular. The the makeup of the markets are very different. US is very tech heavy. Europe's for more financials dominated. And, and you know, there's a tension there. Sometimes you can look at Europe versus the US as US tech versus European banks. I mean, it's not as simple as that, obviously. But that's when you look at it at the market level. Obviously, what we do is we invest in portfolios, not at the market level, in yes. the best companies we can find. So, again, you're not looking at the European economy, you're looking at European stocks, and then you're not looking at all the European stocks, you're looking at the best companies within Europe that we have. And that's what we focus our investments on, and we continue to do so. Yeah, and, 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 and that, that's such an important point. And, and in, in terms of that company focus, or, or almost bottom up, as opposed to top down, obviously top down is, is, is significant, the, the environment that these companies are working in. But as you suggest, these are global enterprises. These are enormous companies. Sometimes, sometimes we, we in Canada forget how long some of these companies have been around, how long some of these brands have been around, um, and how big and broad these businesses are on, 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 on a global level. So at the core, though, maybe go back and just just, just as, as as you're as you're taking over as the as the lead from Dominic, uh, and and we haven't really reviewed it. What are the types of companies that that you focus on? 
what are, what are, what is really the key behind your investment approach as as you look at European companies? Yeah, I mean, and that's the crux of it, Dave. I mean, so ultimately, we want to invest in the best companies, the best businesses we can find. So the way we think about that is companies that can generate high returns, high high levels of profitability on their on their asset base, generate enough cash and keep reinvesting in their asset base to grow. So generally, these companies are capital light. It doesn't cost a lot to grow. So these high returns can be recycled into the business and generate higher returns on the enlarged asset base. And as you roll that up over years and years and years, you get this beautiful compounding and exponential curve of shareholder value creation. And that's exactly what we're trying to sort of harness within the portfolio on a stock by stock level. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously we do look at the top down, as you, as you mentioned, but the top down is far less predictable. You know, we, we cannot forecast at all with any certainty and it's impossible that you know the the direction of geopolitics but what we can do from a bottom-up perspective which is where our bread and butter is and what we're good at we can make much better predictions on the profitability the growth profile uh the margins the asset turnover asset intensity of a business that's been around for 200 years and had rock solid profitability through two world wars etc you know so what you yeah, know yes, yes. what we're seeing into context yeah so that's where we focus on on the on the area of the market we have much more confidence and much more foresight and then we focus on companies that have high sustainable predictable consistent repeatable um, business models that sort of you know churn out the returns year after year that's 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 kind of the essence of what we're doing and that hasn't changed you know when dominic first arrived in 2007 and we first started working together you know we sort of harnessed the process and made, let the, the philosophy and process that we've embedded in in everything we do evolve and it, this is continuing it's a continuation of the evolution that's been put into place as of sort of 15 odd years ago so so so, so david as as we as we've seen if we look at the u.s markets you've sort of been seeing over the over the last several months sort of that shift away from tech which had led the u.s markets for for a number of years back to some areas that really haven't been particularly uh of, of interest to investors for a long long time energies materials the old boring stuff that you dig out of the ground or build things steel aluminum uh, are, are you seeing similar shifts in terms of, of, of the market leadership in, in Europe as well? And, and does Europe have some of those opportunities as we look forward if, if this shift persists? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say, if you look at them on a global context, you know, the value region of the globe is probably Europe because of its yeah. because of the, the high level of financials. You know, there's still a lot of energy there uh, and mining. So, you know, that is the value bucket. And we have seen that sort of shift in leadership. I think what's driven it, I mean, and probably other people on your podcast have said a similar thing, is that the, the rapid rise in rates that we saw around the turn of the year, when we see these rapid rise uh, in rates, you, you'd start to see dislocations within the market and you start to see rotations. Now, we've looked at studies, you know, over many years and, and the rapidity of rate rises we find is far more important than the rate rises themselves. So a nice steady glide path to higher rates don't tend to cause these sort of dislocations, as I've already said, um, that we've seen so far this year. But, you know, big inflation spikes, big rate changes, 
then start to people question people start to question the duration aspect of tech for instance in the US now clearly Europe is less exposed to tech although tech is a, a, a growing sector within Europe but we have definitely seen the shift to to energy uh, and quite rightly to be honest Dave because you know energy stocks have really been um, you know, they've been the dog's bodies. They've been beaten down. Uh, you know, no one wants to know them, for, you know, be it for ESG reasons or be it for, you know, capital intensive reasons. And, you know, I think we've always, pr- uh, you know, we've, we've always been proud in, in the thought that, you know, we're flexible and pliable to, to not discount these sort of these big corporates, even though they don't fit the DNA of what I described earlier of what makes a great business. But when you get good businesses that are actually becoming less capital intensive, you're seeing less money pumped into to exploration and production. So in essence, and then you get an oil price that goes up. All of a sudden, you've got big beasts that create a huge amount of cash flow um, and are on ridiculous valuations. So we have to be as investors, you know, cognizant that, you know, even the, the companies that don't really look like what look like and smell like a good company to us can be good investments so for instance you know it would be it's a really interesting still even though energy's had a big run interesting area of the market that i think's been overlooked for far too long yeah so and 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 then just at, at the core and you've operated in this environment in europe which is further ahead than north america around esg and a focus on esg all of this is done through that lens. Is that that not right? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, ESG is, is another asset. It's, it's an intangible asset within a business that you can that can help one the le- level of returns, the sustainability of returns, the sustainability of your business going forwards. So you know, the aspects of ESG have become a little bit commoditized on the way people report about it, but ESG really is uh, for us about engagement about uh, pushing forward positive change, um, about sort of keeping management honest. I think that's really important uh, because that's as an active investor, that's exactly what we should be doing. Are they doing what they say they're doing? And are they, you know, with respect to any ESG commitments, are they doing and are they executing on exactly what they're setting out? And, you know, it's it has it's been a fundamental part of of, um, of the way we look at uh, investments for a long, long time. It's just over the last few years, it's just garnered an ESG label. You know, governance and the impact on environment and the impact of stakeholders in a business, the impact on society, on building on building things better has always been very important. It's just now got this label and, uh, and you know, uh, and we're framing it in that context. But, you know, vitally important because, um, you know, I think our clients, you know, uh, you know, Wants us to be doing that, but also we want the corporates to be doing it, and 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 we're there to sort of hold them to what they say. Yeah, it, it's it's another tool to find a great, well managed company, and you you and you and Dominic have done that. Uh, you've been ahead of the ahead uh, of the curve on that, uh, and and I, I have no doubt that that's that's going to continue. So, Dave, again, uh, congratulations! Great catching up with you. Great to see you. Uh, again, we're, we're we're audio here, but uh, we we tape with a with with a with a video uh, system, so we can uh, we we can see each other. Uh, you look look fantastic, and uh, you're 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 just ready to go, aren't you? Um, well, the pandemic's treated you well, Dave. I mean, you look you look ten years younger than when I last saw you in the flesh. So something's been going right for you. <laughs> 
but uh, it, it's excited to, to have you at the helm and uh, we're, we're going to miss Dominic, but as everyone can hear, uh, uh, if, uh, if you are someone who invests in, uh, in, in European equities or you, you want to have European equ- equity exposure in Canada, uh, you're in great hands with, uh, with uh, David Lambert. So Dave, uh, thanks. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you maybe in about two, three months and, uh, and check in on how things are going. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions. RBC Global Asset Management is the asset management division of Royal Bank of Canada, RBC, which includes RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., RBC Global Asset Management US Inc., RBC Global Asset Management UK Limited, RBC Global Asset Management Asia Limited, and Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which are separate but affiliated subsidiaries of RBC.